Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 133. Welcome to the Secrets of Real Estate Investing Show, where you'll learn powerful strategies from top experts to take your investments to the next level. Here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. We have with us a gentleman from Louisville, Kentucky today. I don't know if I said that right, my California accent. (laughs) And Mr. Cliff Hayden, who is a real estate investor that started with nothing pretty much. I don't think he started with any family fortunes and has really created a life that he and a business that he loves. So welcome to the show, Cliff. Well, Holly, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we're so happy to have you here and sharing your stories. Excited to hear about um, your journey. So why don't you give us a little background about how you got into real estate investing? All right. So uh, um, I think it's a pretty cool story. I think everybody has their own stories, but I um, come from lower middle class family and I got into real estate. My sister and brother-in-law were actually in the military and came back from Iraq war and I never forget, my brother brought a game, brought a game home called Cashflow. And so uh, we sat down and started playing it. And it just, he can remember sitting there and I would I look off in the distance and kind of start thinking about, you can, I didn't know you could buy assets to pay for liabilities and rental houses. And I've heard of that stuff, but I didn't know you could do it. And so I started playing that game and uh, it just kind of sparked a um, fire under me. And I started uh, reading a lot of books and getting educated and I actually signed up for Robert Kiyosaki's coaching class and uh, started going from there. And uh, at that time, I had a real job at AT AT&T. I was uh, what they call an outside plant technician, which is a a fancy name for a construction worker. (laughs) And so uh, as I was working a full time job um, with Robert Kiyosaki's coaching, I bought a duplex. And uh, it was a horrible deal. Uh, And I'll tell you about that later. It was a bad deal. Uh, But in that process of getting a loan on it and doing things, I learned about a local real estate club we have called CREA. And then I went to CREA and there I found some mentors and some very smart, helpful uh, real estate investors that kind of took me under their wing. And uh, a lot of them are my really good friends today. And then from there, while I working a full-time job, I kept buying rental houses at my full-time job. And um, I just started finding out that I really like doing real estate a lot more like my full-time job. And so I was figuring out a way to not, or to quit my job. But um, like I said before, I was lower uh, middle-class family. So it was a good job at at and We were making about 80 or 100,000 a year, depending on overtime. Wow. So, that's a lot of money. Wow. Yeah, so, and for a 20-something-year-old kid, that's a whole lot of money. Yeah. And so... Um, I was trying to figure out how to do that. I didn't just want to quit and fall on my face. And so um, I actually, driving a bucket truck, you got a CDL license uh, because they're big, big, huge trucks and you get random drug tests. And so AT&T came in one day and said, we're going to drug test you. And I was like, this is my shot. This is when I can kind of figure out what I'm going to do. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to take it. And and so when you don't take a drug test, it's an automatic fail and you got to go to rehab. And uh, so I went to rehab and it turned out my, the, the counselor was my aunt and uncle's next door neighbor, which was all this stuff was so coincidental. It was so cool. Wow. And I, I kind of told him what I was doing. And uh, he was like, well, I think you're crazy, but um, he goes, I'll see what I can do to help you. And so I took eight hours of rehab and turned it into four and a half months suspension at AT&T. And in that four and a half months, uh, I, I blew the doors off of real estate. I worked relentlessly because it was fun. So a um, little had a fire under me and I was really working and I actually made my AT&T salary the first month I was on suspension. 
And so after that, I kept doing very well, doing wholesale deals, rehabs. I was a foreclosure agent at the time also. I just got into that. And um, just after that, I was like, you know what? I'm not going back. And uh, my boss called me, called me four and a half months later and said, you got to come back this week or you're gone. And I was like, well, I'm gone. And I've never been wow. back since. What did your family, um, I don't know if you had siblings or mom and dad, what did they think of that whole thing? You know, it's a great question. My parents are very supportive. And um, it's funny, a few months ago, I'll say about a year ago, my mom, we had a big heart to heart about, you know, you said something earlier in the show, she apologized for not having a big fortune to give us or, you know, teach us about money. And, uh, and I said, mom, you know what you taught me that makes me successful is just integrity, honesty, hard work, you know, never forget where you came from. Those qualities of what have made my business really grow. And so the, the, the money would be great, but if you don't earn it or you don't, you know, you didn't work for it, it's not the same. And so I, I pray, I, you know, really praised her for that. So along the whole journey, they were scared to death, especially my mom. So she would actually, the first, say the first or second house I bought, she was over there helping me paint because I would do it all myself because I didn't know any better. She helped me paint. My dad helped pressure wash driveways. So they were always very supportive. I uh, thought I was crazy. My dad, especially, he was like, I hope you know what you're doing because you're not moving back in here. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> so yeah. so uh, they were very cool, very supportive. And, uh, you know, I'm very, really close with them today, which is, uh, which is awesome. It's a good feeling. That's fantastic. Well, I'm so glad. I know some people, when they venture into the world of real estate investing, their families say, what are you doing? How dare you give up a nice W-2 job? You got benefits, you got security, you got pension. And so it, it can be a tough thing for you know, families to support us real estate investors sometimes. So that's great that your family was supportive. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good point because there's a lot of guys at at and who thought I was going to fall on my face and kind of, I wouldn't say hoping, but you could tell they were expecting it not to go so well. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know how it is. You just you do it, what your gut tells you and you run with it and uh, you make the best of it. Yeah, and sometimes just, it's great and sometimes it's not, huh? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's never an uphill, it's always an uphill batter. It's never, it's never easy. It's always up and down and good days and bad days. Well, tell us more detail, if you would, about your first deal. I always love to hear the beginning, the first deal. So the first deal I bought was a duplex. And um, I, at, at that time at at and I had just got back from Memphis, Tennessee, working storm damage. And you make a ton of money on storm damage. So I, I had accumulated about thir almost $30,000 in cash uh, just from working that storm. And I was at Robert Kiyosaki, and I went to numbers with him, and I was like, oh, this is great the prices here and the rents and a little bit such a hot market and I'm going yeah I have no idea what you're talking about but let's do it because you're telling me to do it <laughs> and so it was a friend of mine's mother and she had had it for years and it was you know dilapidated I paid retail for it didn't know any different the deck on the back was falling off uh, the tenants in there were not good tenants um, my thought at that time was well if one of them moves the other one stays there and it'll, it'll still pay the mortgage and you know, all that stuff, uh, which was great at the time. But what I didn't know is when you go to sell it, no homeowner wants to buy that. You can only sell it to another investor, which then your selling terms are a little different on if you're going to carry financing back or if they have the cash. So um, I own that for around, I want to say four years until finally um, it was just a money pit. And so I had some horrific stories. One of the guys ended up hanging himself in the, in the uh, apartment. Oh, and uh, yeah, the, it was horrible. And then dealing with, you know, I was a new investor, so dealing with the family on how do you, in a nice way, say, you know, how much, how soon can you get your stuff out? Because 
it's a horrific thing, but you don't want him to sit on it for six months or eight, you know, just sit on it because they don't want to get his stuff out. And so dealing with just, that was a big learning curve on how to handle all these obstacles getting thrown at you. So long story longer, um, I end up, I end up selling that thing after everything I put in and lost $17,000. Oh my gosh. That's, um, that's but, a bummer. <laughs> but it, but it's one of those, you, you probably bought houses from people like me back then. Like, I don't care. I just, this thing's just got to go. The headache was just so much. And I, it was like a holiday in. I was always over there when they called to fix something. I didn't know how to do, I didn't have a systems in place to manage. Um, so they, you know, tenants just, you know, how they like kids, they, they, uh, you let them get away with it. They just keep, you know, keep doing it. So uh, it was a, it was a, it was a bad one. Uh, that was, I was almost going to give up on that one. And then I had some really good deals happen right after that. That kind of kept me going. Well, that's good. Do you remember what you paid for it approximately? $75,000. Okay. So that was your first deal. Did you get financing on it? I or? did. So I put around 20,000 down and financed the rest. Okay. And so I basically just lost everything I put down from that, from my, from cash for me. So, and how, do you remember how old you were when you did it? I want to say 25 years old when I first Wow, started. that's nice and young. I yes. wish I started that young. That's fantastic. Well, you know, everybody says that, but I, uh, I remember one of my mentors said, you know, Colonel Sanders was 65 when he started selling chicken. He did okay. So, uh, but no, I get it. I, uh, yeah, I wish I would have started younger. Isn't that funny? I wish I would have started when I was right out of high school. Um, I think it's all relative. Yes. So, yes. And hey, whenever you start is the best time. It's better to start wherever you are than to just never start. So hundred percent agree. Yep. That is great. And I love the, the broad depth of types of real estate you've done. Anything from being on the agent side and you said you were a foreclosure agent. Um, I think you mentioned to me before we started recording, but for everyone else to know, you did general contracting and fixed the yes. foreclosure houses for other agents. Yes, we did. And then you bought rent houses. I mean, you've done like a full, as have I, a full <laughs> yeah, broad yes. um, depth. So I find that really interesting. And what has been, part of it was all your path, I know, but what would you say is your favorite part? And I'm assuming that's what you've settled into now. <laughs> you know, like everybody else, when you first start, um, everybody thinks, man, if I get a million dollars, and I don't know why a million dollars is a number, but it seems like in our <laughs> town, if I can make a million dollars, my life, I'm so happy. I can do whatever I want. And, and so um, my biggest joy now is my lifestyle. So uh, every, and I, and I think everybody really deep down, the money is to pay for a lifestyle. Yeah. If you get that lifestyle in the first place, you don't need that much money. I tell a lot of new people starting out, I'm, I'm a Dave Ramsey fan. I don't believe everything he says, but I like not having debt. So if you don't have debt, you really don't need a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, unless you just live high on the hog, but you don't need, you know, you're bringing in six, 7,000 a month with no debt. You can pretty much do what you want. Yeah. Um, and so for me, lifestyle, that's all I care about now. So I got five kids. Uh, my goal is to make sure they know I love them. Uh, because a long time ago, I don't know if they did cause all I did was work. So they didn't see me a whole lot. I, I, I mean, I, it was so bad. I would miss birthdays because I had, you know, we had stuff to do, which is horrible, but you're just so engulfed. Uh, I'd come home late. So now it's all about lifestyle. So now my wife works for a local high school. And so she's off all summer. She's off whenever the kids are off. So now we travel a lot. And I, I want to give my kids a, um, you know, just kind of see the world. Like there's a lot of stuff out there, meet different people. Uh, no, you know, social skills, I think are as just important as um, book smart. 
and mm-hmm. so I just learn learn different cultures and how people act here. And you know, we went to California, and that's a you know that's a very um, <laughs> democratic state. We're very Republican, so just but everybody's nice. I mean, we're still people, but it's it's nice to just to see people's point of views and how they think. And uh, I really love meeting new people. It's really what I enjoy doing now. That's awesome. And tell our audience how old your children are. So my oldest is 17. Uh, we got 17, 15, 9, 7, and 6. And what's so, the mix of girls and boys? So my poor princess, uh, we have <laughs> two boys, a girl, then two boys. Oh, so she's she the only in the girl. Middle, huh? yes. I've got one girl and three boys, so it's almost the same at our house. <laughs> so, so do you do, like everybody knows she's my favorite, which everybody's like, that's wrong. And I was like, well, she's the only girl, she's my favorite. And yeah. I tell her, you know, so, <laughs> my husband tells them all that they're, his favorite, but um, when the others aren't around, it's yeah, my wife. <laughs> they know it too. It's no secret. Yeah. That's well, that's so. That is so great. That um, I think it's so great that when your kids see you work hard to learn work ethic. But it it's a balance. I know that I, there's plenty of times I wish I was working less than I do even now. Sometimes I have to pull myself away. But the other thing is, I imagine you love your work as do I. So then you've got to pull yourself away. It's a good thing to love your work too, you know, rather than being drudgery. Well, let's dive back into deals. And can you tell us about um, one of your best deals? All right. So one of my best deals, um, can I tell you two? I like Yes, please do. We love the stories. So in particularly, uh, when I first started after that duplex, um, I had a mentor and he would give me a little questionnaire sheet that I would call and do cold calls and different things. And, and I called a lady on the MLS and she had two houses for sale from an estate. And um, I remember one of the questions was on the sheet was, do you have anything else for sale? And that one question bought me eight houses. Oh. <laughs> and so she goes, as a matter of fact, they have, they have two on the MLS and then six more they haven't put on the market yet. And uh, they were all, all, six of them were in one neighborhood and two of them were in another neighborhood and all nice brick ranches. And so, um, and this is pretty cool because I, I was scared to death because we agreed, we negotiated back and forth and we agreed on a price of 67,000 for each of them. And so it was half, almost half a million dollars. And so I remember going, I had like $3,000 in my bank. I had no idea how to do any of this. And my mentor was like, and he said, uh, he said a phrase to me that has stuck with me forever. My, my first mentor is a guy named Mike Butler, by the way, he's a national speaker now, but very cool, uh, very helpful. And he said, if you find the deal, you'll find the money. And uh, it's so scary when you're first starting off, but it's so true now. Like I don't even worry about it anymore. If I find a big deal, I know I can call people and they have money sitting around and I'll, I'll put the deal together. Um, Cause that's where the money's at now. But back to that one. So I found a local mortgage broker and he found a local bank that, that floated the purchase price money to purchase all the, all the houses with cash and then turn around in 30 days and refinance all of them on 30 year fixed loans. And so on that deal, I was an agent at the time too. So I walked away from that deal with a $28,000 commission. I then half of the houses, all but two had renters in there and I'm a long-term renter renters. So I automatically had, I think I want to say almost $2,000 a month cash flow just from those deals. And then I kept six of them. And two of the deals, my second oldest son, Connor, had strep throat and went to the doctor. And I started talking, his doctor's a real cool guy. And I started talking to him about real estate. And he's like, oh, yeah, me and my brother getting into it. And I was like, well, I got two houses you can, if I'm, I'm looking to sell out by you if you want to buy them. He goes, sure. And so I ended up wholesaling those to him for another $16,000. 
And wow. so, um, yeah, and, I, and that's when I caught the bug. I was like, this is unbelievable. I did literally not a whole lot of work and walked away with, you know, 40 some thousand dollars plus, you know, some good long-term rental houses that I still have to this day. And now all those houses are almost paid off. Um, I bought these back in 07, 08, somewhere in that range. And um, they're worth around 120, 125,000 now. So, fantastic. Uh, yes, and that was a good deal. So that was my, that was a home run deal. I just did a deal two years ago. I'm, I'm big in IRAs now. And so I love tax-free investing. I'm, I'm, uh, I get a little worried about the government, how they spend their money. So, um, so I want to try to set my investments up for tax-free. So I did a Roth IRA deal. Um, and I actually was somebody, my mom and like six houses down from mom and dad's house. Very nice neighborhood, very high end neighborhood. Uh, I say high end in our town, 200,000 is a pretty nice neighborhood in our town. So, um, it was a seller finance deal, my Roth. So I gave them a down payment on the house. Uh, house is worth, I bought it for 170. It was worth 200. I gave them 70,000 down that I had in my Roth. And then they financed a hundred thousand at 1% interest at a thousand dollars a month. Nice. So I didn't need the cash flow, of course, cause it's in my Roth. I don't, it's a retirement fund. And so I have a tenant in there now that pays $1,500 a month. It's on a 1% note. I owe, I think in three, four more years, it'll be paid off. So I have a nice $200,000 paid for rental in my Roth, bringing in 1500 a month. And so my goal is to get about four more of those in my Roth. And then my Roth is done. And then from there, I like loaning money too. I like doing, uh, I like not having the moving pieces. Loaning money at 10 or 12% interest is, uh, is a great way to uh, make money also. Yes. So, um, I do that. And then uh, that was a really good deal too. That was, that was a home run deal also just for that neighborhood and that financing. Fantastic. Those are great stories. So listeners, if you don't know about self-directed investing in IRAs, check it out. That is like a, a wonderful, wonderful gift. The whole Roth IRA thing had, I guess there were some people in the right places when um, the Roth IRAs were getting into all the politicians that wanted the stuff. Yeah. It's like such a gift. Who knows how long we'll have it. So just like the Coverdell education savings accounts that we used to have, and they, they took those away, but that was a gift. I got to tell you, side note, as a fellow parent with lots of kids, <laughs> we um, flipped a bunch of houses in the kids college savings account and grew something from I think 30 grand to over 300 grand. So that was a great opportunity to pay no tax on any of those. I love that. So they they kept growing schools. and growing. <laughs> so do they go to private schools or is that just for college? No, this is just for college. Yeah. yeah we do CISA accounts through our uh, equity. I think everybody knows equity trust. That's, so who, that's, we we have, that's who we have our CISA accounts through too. And we have them all for all the kids. So. Um, oh, I'm so glad you got them. That's oh, I think great. they're. Well, you, you do the math. You got, you said, I think you said you had several kids also. I have four. Yep. <laughs> so, so at five kids at $150,000 a piece is about what it's going to cost to go through to an in-state college, yep. uh, you know, $750,000. Yeah. So if you do that after tax dollars, you're talking over a million dollars I would have to actually spend. So yeah. it's a huge savings. So yeah, we fund, we got the oldest one funded and the second one we're funding now. And the other two, we just have small amounts. So we're starting to kind of put deals in there too, because it's, uh, it's incredible. I, I wish everybody would, I think all investors should, I know they want to make that money right now, but if they can put, I tell everybody put their best deal every year in a, in a tax-free account or a CESA or something. And uh, in, in the long run, it's going to pay off huge, 
Cute. Yeah. And for those of you listening, the CSA's Covered Education Savings Account went away at the end of 2017, I believe. So you had to have them in place by then. But if you've got a friend, uh, I can't say a friend, but a relative, you, you can transfer among relatives too. So I've got, you know, the oldest kids water falling down to the, the younger <laughs> kids, you know, that didn't get used because two of them are done with college. Woohoo! So <laughs> only- I got a long ways. I'm a little jealous. Actually, I'm not jealous. I wish my little ones would stay little forever. I don't. I know. Not the older ones and they're not as fun as the little ones at all. I know. The cute little ones. Yeah. I'll be a grandma before I know it. <laughs> anyway okay those are awesome deals i just love the inspirational stories of um, people that are really making it work and taking advantage of the tax law in legal ways to keep more of the money that we earn you know it's Correct. just great yes yes so now you probably know what's coming but i want to ask you about your worst deal or the one maybe you learned the most on um, that was kind of most challenging or you lost some money or s lost some hair. I don't know. You still got a full head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> this is from the front and the back. It's like a little, uh, it's a little, little thin in the back. Yeah. So, uh, my worst deal, that duplex was a bad deal. And then also uh, the first rental, the first house I bought to fix up and sell. Um, I didn't have a good system in place for rehabbing. Um, and so I name drop. I use Robin Thompson's system now. I think she does a great job on breaking down different parts of rehabbing. But I use that system now. And on the first house I bought to rehab, I was $25,000 over budget. That's how horrible it was. Oh. And, um, I, so that ended up turning into a rental house. And, and so the good thing that I tell new people too is when you buy, have as many exit strategies as possible. So uh, host, if you can be able to wholesale it, rehab it, or rent it, um, all, all of those and all in one, it's probably a good deal. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just one or the other, just a few you can do, then you're, you know, you're limited on if something goes wrong, how to get out. And yeah. so on that particular house, thank God I could rent it. So I rented it and um, I, I probably cash flowed less than 200 bucks a month, which really meant I didn't do anything because by the time somebody moved out, all that money went back into the house and then some. And, and so I ended up selling that one about two years ago. Uh, and I ended up doing pretty well on it. Uh, so I kept it for probably 12 years. And the other good thing, and you know, in real estate, how it works, time fixes a lot of problems. Yes, so it does. Time fixes stuff. Uh, don't get too discouraged when you're starting off. But if you hold on stuff long enough, time fixes that. Rents yes. go up, mortgages go down, um, the value of the property goes up depending on where you buy. And so that turned out to be okay. But it was, uh, it was stressful because 25000 over budget. Um, I did not get to pull all that money back out when I refinanced. So I had to put money in that deal myself and, uh, yeah. it wasn't a fun deal. And I learned a lot on really organizing and bidding, getting contractors, you know, contractors can, you know, they can screw you over pretty bad. Uh, you know, staying on top of people. That was a big uh, learning lesson for me. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. I've, I've been there too, going way over budget on flips and here in Southern California, they don't pencil to rent. So uh, you know, it's usually you can flip it and that's it, you know, on the higher end stuff. So yes. um, I like in your area how you can hold them as rentals. That's a nice opportunity for you there. So tell us about, um, you know, what you're, you know, what I'd love you to talk about today is showmetherental.com, your company, okay. and okay. Um, how you got into that and tell us about that. 
So um, show me the rental uh, came about uh, just out of necessity because like I said earlier, I worked all the time. And if you do this business long enough, you know, when you come home, you don't turn it off. And so I would come home and uh, we'd sit down for dinner and phone would be ringing. I get text messages. I have to get up from the table and uh, needless to say, my wife was not happy at all. So um, money wise, financial wise, we were doing okay, but relationship wise, we were not because I was always working when I was here home. I wasn't really present. I was just here physically. And so, um, and she would say, you need to spend time with us. And I would say, how do you think this food gets on the table and just arguments and arguments. And I'm sure everybody is on, if, if, you know, been in a relationship long enough and does real estate, it just, it comes up, uh, for the most part. And so, um, I, I kept finding out that when we were, our biggest phone calls were from tenant leads. So we put rental houses on the, on the market. And if we had more than one, my property manager couldn't keep up. So um, if we had three or four, then I would, we, I would help him with it because we just couldn't keep up with the phone calls and emails and screening people and blah, blah, blah. Well, we found out we were doing the same thing over and over. We'd always ask him, how long you run on your job? Will you sign a three-year lease? How much money do you have in the bank? Uh, are you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and so it was the same four or five questions. Are you on section eight was a big one because we stopped taking section eight and I would bet half of our calls were section eight. And so um, I said, there's gotta be a system out there that can just automate this process because there's no reason to talk to all these people. And, and some of the people, and you've talked to them, it's a 15 minute conversation because you don't want to be rude and say, I can't rent to you, I gotta go, uh, right. you don't qualify. And so I looked around and couldn't find anything that did it, uh, not the way I wanted it. And so I said, there's gotta be something out there, we couldn't find it. And so then we just created it. Hmm. And so what we did is we, it's, it's a, I call it the one-stop shop. We advertise, we generate leads, we set up showings and we get them all the way to fill out an application. And whether that's usually most people have their own application or you can use, we have an online one, but I don't talk to anybody. I don't respond to any emails until after uh, applicant turns in a application. And, and so what show me the rental does is it pre-screens that lead. So when they, I say an example would be if your house is on, we, you put it on show me the rental it goes on Zillow, Trulia, Facebook marketplace, all the websites. And then when they inquire about the house and instead of it going to you, it goes into our system. And then you pick a list of questions that we have and you pick questions to pre-screen them. If they answer those questions correctly, it then saves all their information for you. So you know who they are. And then it gives them showing instructions on how you want to show your house. And it sends them that information. And then once they look at it, it sends them an application link and you don't talk to anybody until you get an application. And wow. it just saves us just, it's ungodly amount of time we save now and not talking to the people that we don't, that aren't qualified to see our rental houses. So that's the gist of it. That's fantastic. I love it. So many wonderful things in this world are invented by people with problems that want to make them better. Like, like what you just did. That's great. So how do the people, the prospective tenants see the homes. So um, as far as when we ad we advertise on all the major websites, and right. so you're talking so about when they- so, A showing? Do they get to go to a showing before they- Yeah, apply? so th there's several different ways. So um, we do lockbox codes. So uh, lockbox codes, you can do open houses, you can do appointments. Uh, a lot of people in our town do, uh, they stop by their office, pick up a key, and mm -hmm. then, um, uh, if you're what I really love my favorite feature because we have spent the last several years upgrading our portfolio so we have a lot of nice houses and a lot of responsible tenants which is a whole different world when they actually let you know they're leaving mm -hmm. so we do a showing now where the tenant shows the house while they're still there 
And our goal now is we're, we're about 50, 50. We actually get the house rented before the current tenant moves out. And so you can show it. Wow. That's awesome. And it automates that whole process to do it all. You don't have to do anything. It automates it all. So uh, it's very cool and very, uh, you know, in this business time is, you know, it's something you can't pay for. It's something you can't get back. So um, it's pretty cool to uh, have an automated system that does all that for us. Well, I love that. And then you have shorter vacancy time. If the previous tenant is showing it to the next tenant, you can have a really short um, overlap of, well, uh, overlap, but a really short window of vacant time. Yeah. If you just need to get it cleaned or painted or whatever. So yes, correct. And most of ours, again, we got knock on wood. We got very good customers now, very good tenants and they leave the houses pretty nice. nice. Uh, we usually got to touch up paint and clean a little bit, but before when I started, I bought cash flow houses that, you know, they, it was a, it was a huge turnover because they trashed the whole house. We don't, oh, do yeah. it, which is nice. Yep. I've had it all from the people that, <laughs> that sweep every, every last little crumb out as they step out the door to the people that leave all the old nasty food and everything in there. Like, Oh man, yes. you sure appreciate the good ones. For sure. Well, thank you so much for all of your great stories and your invention of show me the rental. That's great. Um, and listeners, Cliff is providing for us his tenant screening worksheet as our free download this week. So if you'd like to get a copy of that, it's going to be hardhatholly.com forward slash 132 for show number 132. And you can also get that by texting to the number 38470, hard hat with no spaces in between. So if you got your phone out, it's to the number 38470-38470, hard hat. And we'll send you back this download and we'll give you a notification whenever our new podcasts are coming out um, on your texts. So Cliff, how do people learn more about you and um, using show me the rental where do they find that well uh the easiest place is to go to show me the rental.com yeah we have little videos on there and all the tutorials all that fun stuff and if you got any questions um i'm available usually every day between 12 and 1 and 4 and 5 so that's kind of my block out window times to call people back but if you want to email me you can email me anytime at cliff c-l-i-f-f at show me the rental.com and if you want to call me, um, I don't mind calling me. But again, I answer my, I'm very direct on I answer my phones between 12 and 1 and 4 and 5, or I'll call you back. But you can reach me anytime at 502-641-8781. Again, 502-641-8781. And I've had had several people call, which I like helping because I like seeing what everybody does in different parts of the country and how they do deals and um, you know, see how that compares to the deals we do here. So if I can help you in any way or any questions, feel free to call me. So nice. So generous. Thank you so much for all your time today, Cliff. You've been fantastic and so inspirational. So listeners, get out there, take some action, get those real estate investing deals going, especially in tax-free vehicles if you can, yeah. and, um, and have a good time doing it. And of course, go check, check out showmetherental.com and connect with Cliff. Thanks for being on the show, Cliff. Thanks for listening today. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our show. And let us know in your review what you'd like to hear more of. For the show notes and free downloads for this episode and all others, go to hardhatholly.com.